Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is making the shift to human-centered security. To discuss this, I'm bringing in Richard Ford. He's Chief Scientist with Forcepoint. Richard, thanks so much for joining me. Tom, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Richard, in today's state of cybersecurity, how do you define this concept of human-centered security? Well, I think in part you can look at what it's not, right? So if you think about how security looks, we're very focused on threats. Human-centered is saying, let's put the human front and center. When is your data most valuable to you? Your data is most valuable to you when it's at the point of access, when a human, when it's being displayed, rendered, and used by a person. That's also when it's at its most vulnerable. So when I think about human-centered security, it's that point of contact between the human and the data and making certain that your data is most available and most valuable to you then, but also most protected then, because that's really when it's most at risk. So how would you say this is fundamentally different from the traditional model of security that we consider? So if you think about what we do in security today, we're really focused on the tech, right? It's about this is a threat, this is a vulnerability, this thing is trying to attack my computer. And the problem with doing that, and by the way, those things are very important. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be doing them. But the problem with looking at it that way is that it, it, it allows the attacker to control the game. Essentially, they're playing the tune and we're dancing to it. I'm always reacting to what the attack is doing. Now, let's turn it around. I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a, a nice cup of tea. I'm a Brit, so let's use a cup of tea in your hand. And I want to steal that. It doesn't matter how I get to you. It doesn't matter if I come in through the door or in a window. Sooner or later, to get it, I'm going to have to touch it and grab it. And so if you pay very close attention to that access, it's a way of sort of stopping that threat without having to think about all the different possible ways I might be able to get to that point of uh, connection. So it moves from this threat-centric model, which I think we've demonstrated hasn't really done us very well. We're not winning that security war right now. And augments or lifts that threat-centric model by looking at how data is accessed. And that could be by a malicious insider, an accidental insider, or a compromised insider. And if you look at how we lose data, it's usually one of those three. So Richard, let's put this into context. How would you say that some recent attacks, such as the WannaCry outbreak, some of the other ransomware strikes, underscore the need for human-centered security? So if you think about it from the attacker's point of view, for something like WannaCry, what did they need to do? They found or, or got access to uh, an exploit, and then they ramped up that exploit with some code that allowed it to go from machine to machine, encrypting data. And what they could do is they could kind of play with that code lots and lots of different ways until they finally found a version that we weren't detecting. And then they could, you know, knowing that their attack would succeed, sort of launch it. So in other words, it's like, pay, it's like that we're playing rock, paper, scissors. And, um, you know, we always have to go first. The attacker tends to win in that game because they can try as many times as they like. So they find something that's going to get through. They know it's going to be missed and it goes in. If you take a human-centric spin on that, though, you don't look at the individual threat coming in. You don't worry about, is this a brand new exploit or is this a brand new uh, piece of malware? What you do is quite different. So you look at how that thing is, is uh, 
moving around your files or touching your files. So for example, I can't remember a morning that I came into work and I decided to encrypt all my files and delete the unencrypted copies. That's not something that Richard usually does when he comes into work. So if you take a behavioral or human-centric view of the system, it's quite easy to detect that one of those things is, is not like what I normally do, and then maybe call in the reinforcements and say, hey, this doesn't look normal, this doesn't look right, this is a very new behavior for Richard, maybe this isn't Richard, maybe this is an attack. As opposed to trying to sort at the edge of the network, is this good or is this bad? Because that's a very difficult job, and again, we're always on the back foot with the attacker. The other thing, though, I think WannaCry, for me, really highlighted, and, and I think this is true of ransomware in general, is it's only when your data's gone or when your data's encrypted that you realize that that was really what you valued on your computer. If you think about what, what you would uh, value most on your computer, it's usually not the programs. It's all the data. It's all the time you've put in. I remember running from a hurricane down in uh, Florida when I lived down there. And what did I throw in my run bag? My hard drives, my computer. Not for the computation, but for the memories. I had all my pictures, all those kind of things. And it's, it's those things that make our computers personal if you're a home user or valuable if you're a business. So those are the things that it's important to protect. And I think by looking at the things that you want to protect and going, is this normally how we use them? becomes an easier problem than trying to decide at the edge of the network, is this thing good or is this thing bad? So Richard, I've got a two-part question for you to follow up. First is what are the skills necessary to enable the transition to a human-centric security? In, in addition to the skills, what are the must-have tools? So that's an interesting sort of two-part question, right? So the skills, I think First of all, you have to start looking at the world a little bit differently, right? So as a tech guy, I love to look at exploits. I mean, my first job in the industry was all about malware. And, uh, you know, we tend to think about tech rather than think about people. And so when you start to make that transition to start thinking about people, I think the most important thing is, in fact, that you start to sort of change your mindset. You change those mental models. And the mental models that you have around this is so important. How you view a problem, how you talk about a problem, tends to sort of wire in the solutions that you think about for that problem. So you need to have skills that really look at, at humans and data access and understanding what data is. A file just isn't a file. Maybe it's a resume. Maybe it's a, a job application. Maybe it's a, a pattern. Understanding the life of the data within your organization, those sort of less ones and zero binary skills, but those more, those soft skills that help us move from the what, which we're very good at, by the way, as computer scientists, we're really good at talking about what happened on a machine, to more of that context, to the intent. So you'll hear me talk at times about this sort of continuum of intent, which speaks to the why. Why is this thing happening? Why is this file being emailed? Why are all these files, to go back to the example we were just talking about, being encrypted on a particular hard drive? And so that those skill sets are, you know, like knowledge of human behavior, psychology, understanding of content, natural language processing. Those kind of skills get um, layered on top of the hardcore computer science kind of skills that we typically have. In terms of tools, 
you know, I think I think what we're doing as an industry certainly is easing into this sort of worldview. So it's not like we're going to throw out our firewalls. And you know, as a company that makes firewalls, I, I, I sincerely hope we don't. They have a very important role in what we do. But we're going to add new tools, tools that help measure user intent, better analytics that are focused not just on the programs that are running, but what they're doing and trying to turn those actions into a story. It's like if you saw one frame from a movie, you wouldn't know what the movie was about. No matter what resolution you saw it in, you could go to QHD, it's only one frame, but you could see a little hand-drawn picture of the movie. And if you animate it step by step, you get that picture in motion and that starts to tell you about what it's about. So I think tools are, we're gonna be collecting different things. So you have sensors, you have enforcement, different types of enforcement. And I think we'll move from a world where it's block or allow, which is sort of the world we're in now, to whether it, there's more granularity. So maybe I allow it, but I monitor it, or maybe I allow it and encrypt it. And then finally, analytics. And it's the analytics that's the smart part of the system that helps us go from what, what these individual events are, to what is the story these events are telling me. And I think it's the, that set of tools, really, that are the must-haves to start putting their sort of muscles and flesh on the bones of, of this idea. Richard, in previous conversations, you've made the point to me that we build tools for Mr. Spock, but we need to start developing them for Captain Kirk. What do you mean specifically by this statement, and how is Forcepoint now helping customers to make this transition? Right. So, so, so I have to admit, I love saying that. Right. Every time I say it, I smile because I. A, it's true, but B, you know, I'm kind of a Trek fan, right? So it lets me talk about something I love, as well as computer security all at the same time. So, so what do I mean by that? I mean that, you know, one of the things that's beautiful about being a human is that we're not entirely rational, right? We're risk takers, we're gamblers, we, we sort of cross our fingers and hope for the best. But when we build computer software, we often treat the user like they're completely rational that they're gonna sit and read the entire dialogue box that we just popped up in front of them because you know that's the logical thing to do. Instead, what the user is, is probably something that we like to call a task-centric cognitive miser. And that is the user is trying to get something done and this annoying dialogue box that popped up is just in the way, how do I get rid of it? So if you build tools for Mr. Spark, you assume that that's all gonna get read and they'll make the logical choice. If you build a tool for somebody like Kirk, you're trying to influence, you're trying to say, okay, I recognize this as a person. How will a person react to this interruption of their task? And how can I encourage them to take the right action as opposed to just assuming that will take the logical, the logical action? So how do we make that transition? I think it's, it's a slow process. It starts to color how you build your systems. So as you move towards this more human-centric view of the world, you start to think not just about presenting the user with the data they need to make the right decision, but presenting it in a way that starts to encourage the right behavior. And I think that's one of the places where we still have quite a long way to go as an industry and even as Forcepoint. Getting that feedback about what's risky and what's not to a user is so very important. And it usually doesn't happen uh, in a short time, time cycle. So you might make a mistake and it might be quite a long time until you realize that that was the thing that you did that got your computer infected, or maybe you never realized what it was. And so we need to work on closing that, that feedback look. So 
You know, one of the things I think is important as we do this is, again, you start with starting to change the mindset, starting to change the words that you use, starting to change those mental models, and then you build that into your products to, to be more and more human-focused, to tell the story rather than just present a lot of points on a graph so that a, an administrator or a defender can make the right contextual decision. So we start to wire intent and context into our responses as opposed to, this is what happened, what do you want to do? Richard, very well said. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. The topic has been making the shift to human-centric security. I've been speaking with Richard Ford. He's the chief scientist with Forcepoint. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.